Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of Guy of Medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Normally, let's take you inside the show for a little bit. Normally, um, Sydney uh, researches the show Sawbones, um, and we have the research sort of done and ready to go by, like, Thursday, usually. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you, listen, if you could think back to what uh, this past week was like. It was um, a lot. And we were trying to decode <laughs> the it's like trying to guess the vibe at a party that is in Bangladesh and you're at home and you're like, I have absolutely no idea. Like, what do you wear to that party? You have no idea. No. It's halfway across the globe. Well, and you I have mean, no clue. moreover, I would say it's not even that. It was sort of like it wasn't trying to guess the vibe of a party. It was like you're going to an event. You don't know any details. Prepare. Prepare. So prepare what people will want to hear. It could be anything. It could be a party. It could be a funeral. You don't know what the event is. Prepare your general self for whatever this event is, and just go up, uh, go to it. Well, and, and, and how do you prepare for that? And also beyond that, uh, we as just as human beings, we're not in a great place to come up with uh, creative work to make. But no, so, I felt like that we were kind of detached, a bit detached from the like the normal course of time, like kind of floating outside of time for a while. A little there. bit. Yeah. yeah. So what we decided or what sort of. Yeah, well, we decided what I uh, sort of urged Sydney to do. And I think that we we came to a good co- common ground is just to pick something completely unrelated, unrelated from to anything. anything happening in the world. Obviously, we're recording this on Sunday. Things are looking up, let's say, but uh, this is just a regular sawbones. That's what we put out in the world. We put out in the world, we talked last time in the last episode about like, wouldn't it be nice if we just go back to classic sawbones? And I think un- uh, maybe subconsciously that is what we manifest. We decided to manifest. This will yes. be the episode that will feel right by the time we record. So here we are. The, and this is a story I had come across a while ago and it w- it, it's kind of, sh- it's shortish. Uh, um, but I think we can. I think we can fill a whole time time period with it. But it uh, it's just an interesting little kind of medically adjacent, medically sort of in the in the realm of medical history. It's definitely historical um, tale that I had come across and I thought was really interesting and maybe would interest our listeners and really has almost nothing to do with anything else that's happening right now. So it's just that. And listener, just a bit of medical history ephemera for you to 
ingest. Listener, speaking <laughs> of ingesting, I do want to mention just a second ago, I was taking a large pull off my water bottle. Normally I mute myself. I was not taking a giganto bong rip, oh, which people Justin. tend to uh, think is happening, uh, which is not part of our recording regime. We don't own a bong. We don't own a bong. <laughs> so. P.O. Box 54. No, Hines, don't, West Virginia, don't, please don't send us bongs. No. Sing us, send us all your bongs. We don't want bongs. We please. don't need bongs. No bongs. Thank you. How would we explain that to the, our children? <laughs> I just don't, we just don't need a bong. Uh, so anyway. This... Do you have kids' bongs? No. So let, let's have it, Sid. I'm a physician. I'm Justin. a father. We don't need a bong. First. I'm okay. a father first. Children. And a bong enthusiast second. Okay. We don't own any bongs. Anyway, I want to tell you this strange little story uh, that is set during the American Civil War. Okay. Uh, which, again, it's not supposed to be connected to anything. No. No, that part <laughs> is unintentional. No. Um, <laughs> it's the story of Angel's Glow, by the way. Have you ever heard the story? Sounds like a uh, Jack Daniels variant to me. <laughs> so I understand that it's not what we were discussing. No, no, this is not some sort of uh, whiskey <laughs> or, or bourbon or anything. So during the American Civil War, there was a battle called the Battle of Shiloh, also called the Battle of Pittsburgh Landing, I guess, depending on, I don't know, which, where you're, yeah, I don't where know. Where you get your Civil War history. Um, it was in April of 1862. It w- took place in southwest Tennessee, so not Pittsburgh. Oh, I can see where they changed the name then. Also Shiloh. Well, I think I found it called both. Mm-hmm. I had to read up on a little bit of Civil War history. Which Sydney really doesn't like doing. <laughs> can you explain this to me? You mentioned this. <laughs> I you just, don't like reading about the Civil War. <laughs> I don't. Okay. I have never been. I like history a lot. I took quite a few. I ha- I was one one course short of a minor in history. So I, I do like history quite a bit. And I took some classes that focused on various wars throughout history. It's never, I don't like any war history. I, I find it all very sad. That's probably typical. Specifically though, the Civil War, I always feel like when you read about, especially like specific battles in the Civil War, there's like, they they have to tell you like, oh, also by the way, most of the people in this battle weren't like soldiers in any conventional sense. They just signed up and were kind of sent out there. Like they didn't have training necessarily. And I just get the, it just all becomes very sad. You know what I mean? It just mm-hmm. all gets so like, ugh, ugh, it's just sad. Yeah. It's just hard. I mean, all war is like that. All war is like that. Um, bummer, but especially the Civil War bums. Yeah. yeah. And it's set in a time where we had so little te- like medical technology and like ways to take care of people. So there's so much excess morbidity and mortality it's just it's a sad all wars are sad i don't like reading about them but you have to know that this took place during a war for the story to make sense uh so anyway the confederate army surprise attacked the union army on april 6th of 1862 now that is against the rules uh as i (laughs) surprise attack historians will tell you you're not supposed to really do that oh it's kind of agreed that uh, you shouldn't uh, surprise other people. You should give them kind of a warning. Have you ever seen the, um, they call them whistle boys or fife, fife lords? Like whistle the, boys? The whistle boys. If you ever see them tooting around, that's to warn the enemy <laughs> that like, around. it's time to do war. Let's go. Or the drummers, same idea. 
They uh, also help with marketing, I, I, I think. I do understand, like, at this point in history, there were there were a lot fewer just complete surprise. It was a lot more, like, planned out. Like, mm-hmm. I see you over on that hill. We're on this hill. Tomorrow we shall meet. Yes. <laughs> People would, like, watch, right? Like, you would have, like, a viewing area. But, uh, Ladies with umbrellas or whatnot. I don't. Anyway. I don't know anything about war. I'm sorry. <laughs> That will become incredibly apparent. I had to read The Killer Angels at one point. I read that. Yeah, I read that one. Yeah, I read The Killer Angels. Anyway. Okay, maybe I'm a little bit more of an expert than I thought. I should have <laughs> given myself more credit. I read The Killer Angels for fun. On So the I'm, battle lasted. No. The battle lasted for two days. Um, initially, like the Confederate Army caught the Union by surprise and pushed them back like up against the banks of the river. And then the new Union Army got a bunch of support, like a bunch of extra troops arrived and they pushed the Union back to the south. Both sides in the midst of all of this fighting over the course of two days suffered tremendous casualties between the two of them about twenty three thousand lives were lost in this battle i know this is what i'm saying this is like incredibly sad stuff um many of the wounded were were sort of left where they fell it, it wasn't like you had um really sophisticated support like medical systems that could rush in at the end of every battle necessarily and in this one in particular they just weren't available to come rescue wounded soldiers and get them to field hospitals right away so many many of these uh young people laid in the field uh for a day or two waiting Mm -hmm. for someone to come help them and at night uh, in this in this muddy battlefield, I should say it's it was a muddy kind of swamp like area where they were. It was rainy. It was it was cool, uh, cool to cold even I would say. Some of the soldiers noticed something odd about their wounds. Uh, at night, they seemed to faintly glow. They glowed. Yes, some of the soldiers uh, reportedly noted that their wounds glowed a, a pale bluish to a bluish greenish kind of color that's weird i didn't know that that was a thing that happened with these <laughs> fake wounds uh not all the soldiers noticed it not everybody had this phenomenon occur uh but once they were rescued and taken to the field hospitals uh and of course like told you know the staff the doctors the nurses everybody there about it like is this like a thing that my wound glow? Um, did, did I not hear about this? I'm pretty this untrained. But like one, they stopped glowing. Uh, and two. Well, that would, <laughs> the alternative would be wilder. Can you help me stop this from glowing? The, they, the, they began to notice a correlation between soldiers whose wounds glowed and how well they fared. Because again, this is the pre-antibiotic era. Mm-hmm. So infection meant death for a lot of people Um, a wound of any kind uh, could get infected no matter how minor and and that could that could unfortunately cost your life but they began to notice that people who had these glowing wounds seemed to fare better overall than their comrades who did not that's wild yes wild wild little bit of history little story i have guessed connected i've guessed why we're calling it angel's glow then this is exactly why they called it it so that was what the soldiers came to refer to it and the doctors they called it angel's glow because it seemed to be that some sort of higher power uh allowed these soldiers to survive and do better than 
their fellow soldiers who did not have this glow. So there you go. Um, and the legend was handed down like as just this, there's, a, I mean, I think there's a lot of that kind of oral history surrounding the civil yeah. war and the American civil war. I've noticed that like you hear those stories, um, especially if you've ever had like a family member. I have, I had family members who were like civil war history buffs and mm -hmm. would tell you these strange little stories connected to the war. I'm sure, I'm sure all wars have those, but um, maybe because of, maybe because we live in a state that was formed <laughs> out of the civil war. Yeah. We, uh, we hear a particular, particularly large amount of those stories. But anyway, this tale was handled, handed down and it was this strange, weird thing. Nobody really knew why or if it was true. Like, eh, I don't know. Does that sound? Who knows? Who knows? Um, and that was all we knew about it. Like if you toured this battlefield, this is what they would tell you about so it. What a weird thing to just leave there. Like, oh, and by the way, um, we should have told you this earlier. Uh, sometimes the angels heal their wounds by making them glow. But anyway, back anyway, to the tour. Back to the, here's. Don't forget to get a magnet. Here's an old bullet. <laughs> Can you believe this? I feel like that was always part of it. Look here's how some old, these old bullets are. these old bullets. Uh, and that's all we knew about it until the year 2001. That's a long time to not know what the heck is going on. Yes, and I am going to tell you what happened in the year 2001. But first, let's go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh and the meals i can say are delicious so what do you got to lose head on over to factormeals.com sawbones50 and use code SAWBONES50 to get 50% off. That's code SAWBONES50 at factormeals.com slash SAWBONES50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier then you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to. Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the 
easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Sydney, a lot of things happened in 2001. Of course, uh, yes. the release of The Mighty Giants Mint Car, Ben Folds Rock in the Suburbs, a lot of great albums, some other worse things in 2001. But sure. uh, you were about mm-hmm. to tell me about a completely unrelated event. Yes. In the year 2001, uh, it was also the year I graduated from high school. So I was going to say that. that 17-year-old Bill Martin is the is the key figure in this You're story? I, well, close I, to that's, Bill. What that's what I was just. It was just occurring to me that Bill and I are likely the same age, thereabouts. Anyway, Bill uh, was a Civil War uh, buff, I guess. Young, young for a Civil War historian. Hmm. Um, what age do you think is good for a Civil War historian? Well, you just don't think that is like a common teenage interest, you yeah, know? That's true. I bet Bill's a cool guy, though. <laughs> Bill seems cool. He is cool because he's visiting. Bill, what do you do this weekend? Bill me? is. I'm going to a Civil War battlefield with my mom. <laughs> Bill is cool, but I'll tell you who's cooler is his mom, Phyllis. Everybody Sorry, Bill. I think cool you're cool. That. Well, Phyllis uh, happened to be a research microbiologist for the USDA. So that's a lady I want to hang out with. Pretty cool. That is. And she's got a cool son. You think Phyllis I'm is... being sarcastic, but if you know anything about no. me in this show, I'm I, not. I think no, that's so awesome. wants to party with Phyllis. I do. So Bill was visiting this battlefield, uh, and they heard this story, this legend of the of Angel's Glow from the Battle of Shiloh. And uh, you have to imagine that Phyllis had something to do with like the direction that this story takes because of her background in microbiology right like she had to have heard this and kind of i don't know the story yet well put this idea in in bill's head could this mysterious glow actually maybe just maybe not have been the result of some sort of supernatural force but the result of bacteria some bacteria have bioluminescence right i know this what does that mean it means it glows from being alive yeah just things that naturally give off light that glow yes some bacteria do that phyllis knew this well because she happened to study among other bacteria i imagine she didn't just study one she probably studied although that can get really specialized some microbiologists really just focus in on just the one or two yeah but if you only focus on one bacteria what do you do when it dies not one (laughs) (laughs) so clever phyllis studied a particular bioluminescent bacteria uh, that that she was familiar with uh photorabdus luminescence or p luminescence we'll call it mm-hmm. and this particular bacteria p luminescence glowed sort of a bluish pale bluish color hmm. so it was suggested do you think and who i mean you know this was kind of bill's idea to investigate it further but you got to imagine phyllis had something to do with this do you think maybe that could have been what was on these wounds of these soldiers and uh and this is why they glowed that doesn't answer all our questions but it's certainly 
certainly possible, right? Right. Well, in order to prove that, first you would have to prove that that bacteria could have been in that soil, right? Right. Like it's got to be there. Do we know that it exists there? So Bill decided to embark on this uh, mystery to solve this case, crack this case with his friend, Jonathan Curtis. They set it up as like a science project. Basically. So you're telling me 17 year old Bill Curtis, Bill Martin, excuse me. You're telling me 17 year old Bill Martin on the weekends He's at the Civil War battlefield with his cool mom, Phyllis. During the week, he's studying microbiology uh, with his pal, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to call him Jack Curtis, Jonathan. John. Jack to his friends, like mm -hmm. me. And they're studying microbiology to solve Civil War mysteries. This is the coolest 17-year-old I have ever, ever That's heard That's what of. I'm saying. He's this like Holmes and Watson cracking historical microbiology mysteries. Jonathan Grace is on Twitter. I'd love for him to get at us. Uh, I, well, you just man. combined Bill Martin. Well, what about Bill Martin? What? What? I may, I'm Bill Martin, Jonathan Curtis, either yeah. one. Either one. Okay. Get All at right. me. Us. So anyway, first they determined that this did, the, the, this bacteria could in fact have been present in the soil at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, where the battle took place in 1862, they did this by establishing that there was a certain nematode, there's a little worm, yeah, gross, that was common in the soil in this part of the country. So the nematode is there. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Just because know. we know a nematode's there, why do we know the bacteria is there? I don't know. This information that I'm going to give you about this bacteria, P. luminescence, and the nematode, is stuff that really only a scientist could love. I think. Okay. Um, I'll just stare at the wall for a bit. The bacteria lives inside these nematodes okay mm -hmm. they're nematodes from a family a certain family of nematodes uh heterorhabditis family uh and these these worms are actually interestingly enough you can like buy them to put in your in your garden and your crops they're used for pest control mm -hmm. very commonly kind of interesting like I, I was i was googling to like learn more about these nematodes and i came across all these like here's where you can buy some <laughs> i was like grow? well i don't want to do they glow no, they don't glow. I'm going to get to that. But oh. uh, but it was like, it was it was funny because I was like, well, I don't want to buy any. Why would I want to buy? Oh, okay. That's <laughs> right. why I want to buy any. <laughs> I digress. The little worms are parasites, these nematodes. And the nematodes will get inside the larvae of an insect. Okay? Okay. So you've got the larva from an insect. These mm -hmm. tiny little nematodes will burrow inside it. And once they're inside the larva, the nematode will regurgitate the P luminescence that lives in its gut. Mm. So it pukes up all this bacteria inside. This is good. The larva. I'm liking this. Okay. Mm -hmm. And once the bacteria are out there, they can release toxins that will kill the larva. Nice. Okay. Cool. The, the, the stuff that the bacteria release that the P luminescence releases inside the larva includes a couple different things. There's a substance that kills the larva. Okay. Okay. Which, by the way, the they've they've decoded like the genes that that create like that are responsible for making that encode the sequence for this toxic substance, and it's the MCF gene, which stands for makes caterpillars floppy. <laughs> Sorry, I just really enjoy that. Yeah, you it guys makes are, caterpillars floppy. You gene. guys are too much. Makes a toxic substance. So, anyway, uh, also some enzymes that will break down the larva. The ba the bacteria release that as well, so it can be digested from the inside out. Mm. I know. Yum. It's a brutal world out there. Yeah. Uh, in the... Microbiology. Um, and then also, 
One other thing that the P. luminescence bacteria release is an antibiotic substance that will kill other microorganisms around it. Mm. We're getting closer to the answer to this. I sense that, yeah. Yeah, to, to cracking this case. So the I'm ne- right on the trail. <laughs> I can feel us nipping at the heels in this mystery. I've almost got it myself, but I don't want to rob you of the, the joy of, of the, uh, the big reveal. The nematode will continue to live inside this hollowed out larva that it has now killed and used enzymes to begin to digest um, until basically there's nothing left to eat. Basically, it has destroyed it from I, the inside you know, out. I, feel it. Like, I really hate rats. Obviously, my uh-huh. rodent of mace work. Yeah. I'm realizing that, like, I don't do great with, like, burrowing. Like, burrowing. when we get into burrowing <laughs> pretty much any sort, I don't enjoy it. This, like, when you're talking about hookworms and stuff, I don't like it. Yeah. Know? I don't like the burrowing. Burrowing is rough. Burrowing is tough, Sid. Well, I don't like it. Well, really. we, we tend to think of our skin, and, like, this doesn't really apply to this specific situation because the nematodes are burrowing into larvae, not humans. But, like, we tend yeah. to think of our skin as this impenetrable barrier, and it's... It's super not impenetrable. Yeah, it's not impenetrable. I mean, it's pretty good, though, but yeah, it's not it's impenetrable. It's good as far as skin goes. Go <laughs> anyway, anyway, so these nematodes live inside these hollowed-out larvae until there's nothing left to eat. Yeah, you actually don't need to keep saying mm-hmm. it. You did cover and then, it. then the bacteria, and while they're doing that, by the way, the bacteria are still outside the nematode. Like, it's puked up all this bacteria, and it's just there hanging out with it. <laughs> Like its little buddy, its little P. luminescence buddy. And as the P. luminescence is, is hanging out, it's multiplying. And that's what bacteria do. They just like keep keep multiplying. Um, and as it's multiplying, it's glowing. Right? Oh, and as okay. there's more and more of it, it glows more and more. Okay. Why would it glow? Our best guess as to why would this bacteria, why would it have, you know, why would evolution have selected for this? Well, insects tend to be attracted to light sources. So eventually, there's not going to be anything left of this larva to eat, and you're going to need new insects to burrow inside and eat from the inside out. So the P. luminescence attracts new insects to that area to provide the nematode with its next victim. Oh, kind of like all runway lights for mm-hmm, murderers. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? So once the nematode has a new victim and has eaten all it can from its current victim, mm-hmm. it will actually eat all that P. luminescence bacteria back up. It's oh. like, now get back inside me. <laughs> get in my belly. Get in my I... belly, if you will, because it needs it. it it's going to take it along with it as it travels on to the next thing it will infect like the cat bus so it's in not, Torturo. <laughs> it's not a bad thing it's taking it along for the ride so that it can, can it's a you know symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. so anyway uh and then it will go on and infect a new larva and puke up the p luminescence all over again and so on and so forth okay so if you prove this nematode is in this soil it could certainly then certainly this P. luminescence would have been in the soil as well and mm-hmm. could have gotten in these wounds. Now, one issue that was immediately apparent with this whole theory that uh, that Bill and John have come up with, with Phyllis's tutelage, uh, is that the nematode lives at cooler temperatures typically. So it, it would be very strange to imagine that the worms would have tried to inhabit a 98.6 degree or thereabouts 
human body, right? Okay. Like that's right. not, that is not the right temperature for these nematodes. So you start to go, well, like, yeah, I mean, but how would the bacteria have gotten there? Because the nematodes would never have come to these wounds to begin with. Well, what they had to do next was investigate the weather conditions. Okay. <laughs> on this battlefield in April of 1862. And what they found is that it was pretty chilly. So cold and rainy and muddy were these poor soldiers that it is perfectly possible that hypothermia could have been induced in these in some of these soldiers, some or all of these men huh. waiting on the battlefield. Uh, and also, their wounds were probably open, which means that they were not necessarily as warm. Right. So because of that, it is conceivable that if there are like bugs in the wounds, sorry, but insects in the wounds, that the nematodes would have been then attracted to these bugs and larvae. Uh-huh. And it would have been cool enough because of the hypothermia induced by the weather conditions for them to get inside these wounds, puke up their P. luminescence, and the wounds would glow blue. Is that Does that make the, them get better? Well, that's the last question. Mm. If this is indeed what happened, does it help explain why there seemed to be a correlation between a glowing wound and a patient that got better faster or got better at all? The chemical uh, that I mentioned, the antibiotic chemical, uh, which I don't know if you want to know the name of this, 3,5-dihydroxy-4-isopropyl transstilbene. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's what I was actually thinking. Yeah. Kills surrounding microbes. So... Okay. When the bacteria was puked up and it released its substances uh, into the wound, it is possible that it killed other pathogens that may have been around it, other bacteria that could have caused infection, thereby preventing infection in the wounds of these soldiers, which is could be why they seem to fare better in the hospital than soldiers who didn't. And why did they stop glowing when they got to the hospital? Well, very simply, they were probably washed, right? Yeah. Like one of the first things you would have done is wash the wound out. Yeah. So you would have cleaned all this stuff out of there. Um, Plus it was warmer. The hypothermia would have been resolved. That would have killed them off too. Mm -hmm. So between washing wounds out and then bringing the body back up to a normal temperature, the, uh, you wouldn't have seen the glowing anymore. So that could have, that could have, instead of an angel that caused these soldiers, if this is all true, to get better, it was a bacterial stilbenoid released by photorabdus luminescence after it was regurgitated from the gut of an entomopathogenic nematode of the family heterorabditidae. Or it was an angel. Or it was the thing I just said. Or it was an angel. Is you're certain? Because mine, I mean, my heart tells me it's true. I kind of think that the idea that these conditions were just right (coughs) for this parasitic nematode to infect these wounds. Well, I'd say infect. I shouldn't say infect. Just kind of like live in, just inhabit these wounds and release this bacteria that released an antibiotic which may have prevented infection and saved some of these soldiers' lives and that they just also happened to glow. I think that, for me, personally, just for me, for this little audience of one, 
is is more awe inspiring at the end of the day than the idea that a supernatural force mm-hmm. or a higher power did it. Or Roman Downey and Michael Landon walked around the battlefield and kissed all the boo-boos. <laughs> One of the two definitely definitely happened. I'm just saying I think it's I think it's really fascinating and awe-inspiring. And as a result of their study, Bill and Jonathan won first place at the 2001 Intel International Science and Engineering Fair. That's cool, Sid. That's usually the part where you would have been like and 60 years later they died. So it's cool. I'm glad that we're just catching up with them now where they won the science fair. I think what? that's great. They're like my age. I hope they're both doing fine. I hope they're both I hope they have gone on to solve more historical microbiological mysteries. We need them prove now the power, more than ever. <laughs> prove the power power of science science uh miracles that work but uh and i mean i should say and i think um bill and john and and phyllis would all echo this we can't conclusively prove this right we we don't have like some sort of um tissue sample or something that proves this it has been called into question as to like where did this legend even come from? Was there this correlation? Is this really true? Because like I said, when you're getting into some of these stories that were handed down through oral tradition, you know, like. Right. The, it's not like you have. Yes, do we have definitive proof? proof? So when you're when you're talking about like from a story perspective, I think it's fine. But if you're if you want the hard science, I don't think we can definitively say that this is what happened. So it's kind of like but, fun party science for kicks. Well, it's popular science, I believe, is what you call this. I think popular, yeah. I mean, either way, I I guess it just goes to prove that Bill Martin is at a party. I mean, I've been <laughs> saying it from the beginning. This guy's doing party science. Are you kidding me? It's totally reasonable. I mean, like everything that it all fits. It makes sense, and it's completely feasible that this really did happen. They really did see this glow, and that the soldiers who had the glow really did seem to get better. And certainly at the time, you would have had no way of explaining this no. like like the scientists doctors soldiers no, none of, nobody involved would have had any clue no, why this could have that. happened yeah. and so to to guess that it may have been an angel you know would have been a reasonable yeah. guess for them to make but anyway i think it is a fascinating little story from medical history um and i applaud bill and john and phyllis for taking something i mean imagine how many people had visited that battlefield and probably like heard this story and gone huh, huh. that's cool weird they glowed huh <laughs> can i see the bullet again <laughs> god that's old we we god, talk about this an old round bullet we talk about this a lot on the show that it's important to follow the facts where they lead us no matter what that where that is like if you like science is about empiric evidence and about you know finding truth um, but before you can go on that quest, you have to ask questions. And to ask questions means having an open mind, means having the imagination and the creativity to say, like, well, maybe there's a reason for that that we just don't know yet. And maybe I could help us figure out what that truth is. And that's what uh, Bill and John and Phyllis did. They said, I bet there's a truth here. We just don't know yet. And then they use science to to find what, you know, is our best guess of what it is. Well, so Maybe your best guess, but. Stay with angels. Thanks so much for listening to our program, Sawbones. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Uh, we got a new uh, piece of merchandise over at McElroyMerch.com. Sydney, if people want to uh, support the great work being done by the Immunization Action Coalition, we got a new Pro Vax bumper sticker. Show your support 
for the incredible power of vaccines is finally legal again to like science. <laughs> vaccines safe and effective since 1796 is what it says. You can go to macromerch.com and uh, stock up on vaccines and spread the word that they are choice. Yes. And if you haven't gotten your flu shot yet, please do. Please do so. Do so right now. Um, uh, thank you to the taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Thanks to the Max Fun Network for having us on as a part of their extended podcasting family. And thanks to you for listening to this program. We will be with you again very soon. But until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.